0: Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 today and move into chapter 2. I realize some of you didn't think we were making very much progress, but we are going to get into chapter 2 today. So that, that's forward movement here. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. And by the seventh day God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Many questions have risen over the years concerning what do you do on the Sabbath? Should we worship on Saturday? Should we worship on Sunday? And on and on goes the the questions that relate to it. Not new in our generation. Jesus wrestled with questions concerning the Sabbath because back in his day there had been many traditions and many laws added to that simple command to to honor the the seventh day there. It, It had become a burden to people. In Jesus' day, there was a restriction on how far a person could walk on the Sabbath day. I I, I would have trouble with that because uh, I, I like to get out and walk, and uh, when you're out in the woods, you can reflect on the Lord and so forth. Couldn't do that back in Jesus' day. You couldn't walk more than a, a, a mile or not even a mile before you were breaking the law. They were also taught that if somebody was injured on the Sabbath day, you could cover that wound with a band-aid or bandage but you couldn't put any medicine on it because if you put medicine on it you're promoting healing and that's working on the Sabbath day and so you had to wait till the next day to put medicine on it. Uh, Another ridiculous rule that they had was it was permissible to spit on a rock but not on the dirt. If you spit on the dirt it makes mud and so again you're working on the Sabbath day there, uh, Jesus repeatedly had problems with their traditions uh, He healed on the Sabbath and got in trouble for it. His disciples plucked a few ears of grain as they walked through the a uh, field one day and, and got criticized for that. Uh, he wrestled with the question, "Can you do good or not on the sabbath day and he, or he had the Pharisees wrestle with it he didn 't wrestle with it the we, we can look back and we can laugh at some of the things that they believed and taught in those days but you know it's not all that long ago that we had similar problems when it comes to Sunday. In the early 1900s in Evansville, Illinois the founding fathers came up with the idea that uh, the fizz in carbonated soda was a corrupting influence on young people. And so they passed a law saying it was illegal to sell soda on Sunday. You just couldn't do it. Uh, that's wh- incidentally where we got the idea of ice cream Sundays, because the, the soda parlors wanted to be able to sell on Sunday, so they, they created something with ice cream and, and toppings, on, toppings on it. It became so popular that the city fathers had to pass a law saying you cannot call it a sunday, S-U-N-D-A-Y, that's why it's spelled differently today. Uh, it ends in A-E. Uh, I, I can still remember when ball playing was frowned upon. Uh, games, unnecessary work was not to be done. Uh, just about every store was closed because it was Sunday. And uh, some of that's not bad, but uh, you know, some of it can be legalistic there. Uh, it used to be that you were not allowed to use a needle or an iron on Sunday. We, we had a, a church group where they refused to uh, shop on Sunday, refused to do work on Sunday. They wouldn't harvest or anything on Sunday. Uh, and they, they were very legalistic about it. And I, I can still remember talking with some of the men, I, and I said, You know, aren't you being a little hypocritical in your observance of the Sabbath? And well, they said, Well, why are we being hypocritical? I said, Well, what do you do on the Sabbath? Well, we get together as a family, we have a big meal, and so forth. And I said, who, who does the meal and who does the dishes? Well, that's the wife's responsibility. These were farmers. They didn't, they didn't do dishes. I said, are you causing them to work where you won't work on the Sabbath? It's good for us sometimes to think through the traditions that, that we have. Uh, the problem comes when we fail to understand, when we fail to rightly divide the word of God. And so I've, I've chosen to look at these few verses from a standpoint of questions today. I've got a whole series of questions for us to look at. First of all, where did the idea of a Sabbath day originate? Where, where did it start? The opening week of creation was its beginning. God rested on the Sabbath. Now notice in verse 31 of chapter 1, he looked at his creation on the sixth day. And what conclusion did he come to? It was not just good now, but it was very good. And uh, he was satisfied with what he had created and what he had made. And so you come down to verse 2 of chapter 2, and he rested. He ceased from his creative work. And in that, I think he set a pattern. He built into us the the concept of the need of rest and, and it was built into the very act of creation years later jesus would say in mark chapter 2 verse 27 the sabbath was not made for man man was made for the sabbath or did i get that backwards yeah man was not made for the sabbath the sabbath was 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 made for man there uh, it was a gift of god for our benefit he had created that because he knew that we would need those times of special rest and and fellowship with with God himself. And so he built that into the very order of creation there. Now, it's important as we look at this to realize, from what did God rest? What what was he resting from here? He was resting from his work of creation. It was complete. He declared it was very good. He was finished with it. I, I like that concept. How many of you have done that. Um, you finish a project and you just sit back and you enjoy it. That's what he's doing here. He, he has created the world in which we live. And I think he invited Adam and Eve to come into that celebration with him, celebrate God's creation, his, his work there. And, and in so doing, he sanctified that day and he gave us a principle. Uh, we as men and women need sometimes just to stop and rest, just stop and enjoy the work of God. Just enjoy the work that we've been able to accomplish, and just reflect on who He is and what He has done for us, and what He is doing in our lives. He built that need of rest into our very f- the fiber of our being. There. And then, third question: What was God? Was God still at work on the Sabbath day? Because that's where a lot of the controversy came. You weren't supposed to spit on a on the dirt because you'd make mud. You couldn't put medicine on a wound. On and on it goes because that's working on the Sabbath. Was God working on the seventh day? Uh, get a clue for on that in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 16 it says, For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created by him. Now, verse 17 says, he is before all things, and in him all things consist or all things hold together. Was he keeping the world together on the seventh day? I think he was. Where would we be if God suddenly took his hands off and said, I'm not going to be concerned about the world today or one day a week? Who is it that keeps the stars in their place? Who is it that fine tunes the orbit of the earth around the sun and the moon around the earth and so forth and and sees that every day it happens? Who is it that brings morning and evening day after day? It's God. God is still at work in, in his creation just because he had finished his creative work did not finish the work of caring for creation. We understand that principle. Uh, some of you have built a house, and there comes a time when that house is finished, and what do you do? You enjoy it. You, you enter into it, you, you move into it, you enjoy it. But guess what? There's still work to be done. Who's going to maintain the house? Who's going to keep it up? Uh, you, you put a garden in and, and you get those beautiful vegetables or flowers or whatever you like to grow. you got to keep it up or pretty soon it's chaos. And, and, uh, and so he was at work, a different work than what we, we think of as far as his creative work is concerned. Uh, but we, we realize that uh, we, someone has wisely said, we don't own things, things own us. You know, you, you, you create something, you build a house or so forth. You have the responsibility of keeping it up then. Uh, did you notice that this week? Uh, you you had a nice house and, and then along comes seven or eight inches of snow. Uh, the house doesn't clean it off, does it? You get to do it. Yeah, it uh, something breaks down, who gets to fix it there? Uh, and God it was in the business of maintaining the world in which he had been instrumental in creating it. It, And as you think about that, in creating the world and in creating Adam and Eve, God assumed a tremendous responsibility because he is the one who has to care for that. He was not just creating, but he was maintaining it as well. Now, as we think about that, why do we do, why do we create things? Why do we make more work for ourselves sometimes by the projects that we do? We do it because there's an enjoyment in it. And I think as far as God is concerned, he did it because it was an opportunity for him to demonstrate his great love, not only to us, but to the angels as well. As I was working on this passage, I thought of a song. And I couldn't remember the title of the song or all the words of the song, so I did the next best thing. If my memory doesn't serve me well, I call Liz. Cause she knows those songs. And uh, Liz made me feel a little bit old, because she didn't re- know this song. I thought, if, if she doesn't know it, it's got to be an old one. And uh, uh, I remember singing it as, as uh, a young person, but uh, she found it for me. I, I, I remember just one or two lines of it, and she, she, found, she, she told me I could do the same thing online. She doesn't realize how computer illiterate I am. <laughs> it, uh, that, that, that's going a little bit far to try and find that online. But it's, um, it's called Holy, Holy, Holy is what the angels sing. Now, I understand that Harold and Rochelle are working on this song, and they're going to do a special for us one of these days. Uh, as soon as Rochelle gets to where she can, right? Yeah, okay. They're, they're, they're going to sing that for you because I got a feeling if Liz didn't know it, maybe a lot of you didn't know it either. But I like the, the words of, of the chorus. Uh, well, it starts out there is singing up in heaven such as we've never known and so forth. Come down to the chorus. It says, holy, holy, holy is what the angels sing. I expect to help them make the courts of heaven ring. But when I sing redemption story, they will fold their wings. For angels cannot know, have never felt the joy that our salvation brings. God has revealed something through you and I, about his love, that even the angels did not understand. Uh, We are, uh, uh, and whether we like to think of it or not, we're an example to to the angels. We are put on display revealing to them something about the love of God. Now, I don't know if you like to be an object lesson or not, but I think that's the idea behind it there. God is using us to, to reveal something about his love and about his character. And so, with that in mind, the stage was set for the Sabbath in the Old Testament. What was the purpose for the Sabbath? It's interesting, as you read through Scripture, you will find no mention of the Sabbath from Genesis chapter 2 till you get to the book of Exodus. Over 2,500 years of human history, there is no mention of the Sabbath, nor as we look back over the, and study the ancient civilizations and so forth, there is no mention of the Sabbath day in any of those cultures. They recognized a yearly cycle because they could see the, the seasons come and go each year. They, they even had it pinned down to so many days. They, they, they recognized a monthly schedule because of the moon. But there's nothing in nature that identifies a seven-day work week. Nothing that that brings that that concept to to our attention. So it was something that God created apart from nature there. It isn't until you come to Exodus 16, as the children of Israel are making their way into the wilderness there and they need food and God sends the manna from heaven, that you find another mention of the Sabbath. And he tells them there in Exodus 16, uh, he's going to send the manna, but on the, the sixth day, you had to get twice as much if you're going to eat on the seventh day it wasn't going to be there on the seventh day it was a holy day and some people believed it some people went hungry on the Sabbath the first one uh, I'm sure by the time the second week rolled around they, they knew that God meant business and, and they, they got with the program there but I wonder how many people actually went hungry that, that first one because why should I bother picking twice as much today when I'm, it's going to be there in the morning? And then it was put into the law in Exodus chapter 20 as one of the Ten Commandments in verse 8 there. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servants or your cattle, your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so he commanded them to observe the the Sabbath day. Why did he do that? Exodus 31 gives us a a clue there, beginning in verse 13. Uh, Verse 12 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall observe my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from amongst his people. And then he goes into the explanation of the creation pattern that that was given to them again. But it was a special sign God gave to his covenant people. It was a sign that was saying, you belong to me. You are part of my family. You are the ones that I have chosen. This is the covenant sign that I am giving to you as the nation of Israel. And so that raises the question, should we observe the Sabbath? I often get literature hanging on the the door of the church here. Uh, I haven't got it for several months now, but in it, is usually a letter saying you cannot be a Christian because you don't worship on the Sabbath day. And they give all kinds of literature to, to go with that. I I am still waiting to catch the person that's putting it there. I, I, I don't know who it is. I don't know where they're from, but I would love to say, come on in and let's talk about this. Let's take a look at what does the scripture say. Uh, I, I, I appreciate the fact that, Probably somebody out there is concerned about my soul and uh, would would love to have me change and and maybe be part of their church. I don't know, but uh, they haven't ever given me the opportunity to interact with them. I'd love to take them to the book of Colossians in chapter 2, where it says in verse 16, Therefore, let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival, a new moon or a Sabbath day. Something has changed there. God says, don't let them serve as your judge in in that area. Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul said these words. Who are you to judge the servant of another? Verse 4. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and stand he will, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord. He who gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat, and he gives thanks to God. It is an individual matter there. Uh, We're not Israel. We're not under the Old Testament law, and God may lead each of us differently in that area. I know some people today that would love to be here and worship together with us, but they're working. Their job demands that, that they work on the Sunday. You, you ever try to run a hospital and say, we're only going to run it six days a week? What happens on the seventh day? Somebody's got to be there. So, somebody's got to be working. And so Paul is saying, don't get so legalistic that you condemn somebody for doing what is necessary. make be that they're able to take Wednesday as a day of worship or Thursday or Friday. Who who knows? Uh, The important important issue isn't a particular day. It's do we take time to spend with God on a regular basis there. The problem with holding to the Sabbath as so often they do with with the literature I get and so forth is in James chapter 2 Uh, This is a serious verse to wrestle with there, if you're going to be legalistic. In James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. And then in that same vein there, Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, for as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them." Notice what he's saying there. If you're going to attempt to be legalistic and work your way to heaven by keeping the Sabbath, you have the responsibility of keeping the whole law. You don't have the right to pick and choose. You don't have the right to say this command I'm going to keep, but these I'm going to set aside. No, it's a package deal. You're going to work your way to heaven. You have to do the whole thing. And, and you're going to have trouble doing that. Matter of fact, nobody's been able to do that. It was only Christ that made it possible for us to have salvation because he was the only one who could keep the, the law. And so uh, if you're going to adopt that legalistic mindset, you got some problems to wrestle with. Because uh, if, you're, if you're going to rest your salvation on keeping one law, God says you've got to do the whole thing. You, you, you can't pick and choose which ones you like and, and which ones you, you don't like there. So why do we worship? Another question here is why do we worship on Sunday? The pattern was given to us in Luke chapter 24 where we have the uh, the account of the the resurrection there. In verse 1 he says, On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices. And what did they find? The tomb was empty. They came, though, on the first day of the week. They they were observing the Sabbath the day before that. They came and they found the tomb empty. And then in John chapter 20, verse 19, the disciples on the first day of the week are in the upper room. And what happens? Jesus comes and meets with them enters into that upper room and enters into a time of fellowship together with them. The same thing happens the following week as well. And when you come down to Acts chapter 20, verse 7, Paul is meeting there with the the Ephesians. He said they met together on the first day of the week. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he speaks in verse 2 of the fact that when you come together on the first day of the week, you're to bring your tithes and offerings and, and present them To to the Lord there. So, contrary to what many teach today, the Sunday worship did not originate with the Catholic Church. I I realize those that are holding to the Sabbath like to blame the Catholic Church for it. That that is not true. That worship began right after the resurrection. The apostles, the, the disciples, the early church chose to worship on Sunday, the first day of the week. There's a reason for that. The Sabbath as it was given in Genesis and in Exodus was a celebration of the fact that God had completed his work of creation. It was finished and they were able to enter into or or supposed to enter into and enjoy fellowship with him on that particular day as they looked back over all that God had created. And as God had said, it was very good. He was satisfied with his creation and he invited them to join in to that celebration. And I realize we live in a world that has been marred by sin and and there are unpleasant aspects out there. But we still, as we look around us, have so much to say thank you for. We've been blessed. Uh, we, We live in a tremendous part of the world. If anybody has a reason to rejoice and enter into an enjoyment with creation, I think we do in the area in which we live. We, we, we can just praise the Lord for that. But the first day of the week celebrated something entirely different. Uh, the Sabbath celebrates the work of creation of the work of redemption. Now, On the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished. He paid the price there, but then he went back to be with his father in heaven, presented the blood there in our behalf. Before the Lord in heaven. And in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, we read, He was delivered up because of our transgressions. He was raised because of our justification. Now, when was he raised? Early in the morning of the first day. And so they were celebrating the fact that their redemption was complete. They were entering into a celebration and enjoyment of the fact that God had provided redemption for them. And that's one of the reasons we come together today. We celebrate the fact that God has redeemed us. We've been brought into his family. We've been made part of uh, of his bride in a sense there. And Sunday for us becomes a time to stop and reflect on all that God has done for us. A time for us to enjoy his blessing, a, a time for us to enter into that, that sense of enjoyment. Now, I realize some cannot do that on Sunday. As I said, some have to work on Sunday. The important thing is, do they take time through the week to focus on God, to, to enter into that, that time of rejoicing together with God and, and all that he has accomplished for them. As we think about his work of redemption, it's an ongoing work. We celebrate the completed fact that, that he has redeemed us, but he is still working in our hearts. He is still working. In our, just as he maintained creation, he is working in us, preparing us for glory. He is still at work. Uh, 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And we can rejoice in the fact that what God has started the moment we accepted him as our Savior, he's going to complete. He, it, w- someday we're going to be stand before him and that, that work is going to be completely finished. But until then, he's maintaining that work for us. Colossians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says, and, having, and have put on a new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. What is he doing there? He's recreating us into the image of Jesus Christ. There's some areas that need to be changed in our lives. Uh, As you look at your life, uh, aren't you glad you're not the same person you were 10 years ago? Aren't you glad you're not the same person that you were before you came to Jesus Christ? Has he, has he done some work in your heart and life? And are there areas today that he's changing? He's working on in your life. He, His work of redemption is an ongoing work. And yet he says, I want you to take some time and just reflect on what I have done, what I'm doing in your life and, and, and enter into that enjoyment, into that sense of rest that he has for us, that he has for Adam and Eve back in Genesis chapter one. And so the obvious question is, what are we to do with Sunday? What are we to do on Sunday? The word Sabbath literally means rest. And God invest, invites us to rest. Any of you need rest? <laughs> yeah, we do, don't we? It, it's built into us. Uh, we, we can drive ourselves so long, and then if we don't get some rest, we collapse. <laughs> and we get the rest one way or another. Uh, it, it's better to program it into our life than it is to uh, have God have to step in and say, wait a minute it's time for you to rest and i'm going to put you maybe on a bed of sickness or something to 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 get you back into that that right place there but uh and and i hate it when i have a a, a work in progress when it comes to a sermon i i had this all nailed down all ready to go this morning and then uh, ginger made a comment yesterday about hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 and it got me thinking a whole new line of thought there when it comes to rest. And so I'm going to try and incorporate some of that. This isn't complete, but some of that into that concept of rest this morning. I, I began with Matthew 11. Now, th- that much is in my notes. Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus invites us to rest. He said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you more work to do. No, he said, I'll give you rest. He said, take my, and then he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. So I wasn't being facetious when I said, give you more labor. He does give us more, doesn't he? Take my yoke upon you, learn of me for I am meek and lowly and and you shall find rest. He said for your souls there. He offers two aspects of rest in that verse. The first one I think is he offers us the rest of salvation. Have you you think back to before you came a child of God? Were you trying to, were you laboring to get right with God? Uh, You you, you just couldn't do it. Uh, You you couldn't keep the law. You you couldn't keep all the commandments. Uh, How many times uh, we we were talking about that in Sunday school class? New Year's resolutions. How many of you have already broken some New Year's resolutions? I I can honestly say I haven't broken any of my New Year's resolutions because I didn't bother to make any. I I, I knew I'd fail sooner or later there, so I I didn't bother this year worrying about it. But uh, we just can't do it ourselves. And yet God stepped in and he gave us the rest of salvation. If we come unto him, we find that 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 sense of peace with God. We're right with God. He has made that salvation possible for us. But he also in that passage invites us to enter into the rest of. Of service, Not just salvation, but service. Notice he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. When you put a yoke on an animal, you're expecting some work out of them, aren't you? There's some service that, that, that needs to be done there. And yet notice, even in the midst of that service, he is there with us and he helps us bear the load. He brings that sense of rest into our lives there. And we serve him today, Not because we have to. Not because if we don't, we're going to lose our salvation. We serve him simply because we love him. That should be our motive there. Uh, John chapter 15, Jesus said in verse 14, If you love me, keep my commandments. And we accept his work of salvation. We accept the rest of salvation and of service by faith. Now that takes us to Hebrews chapter 3. And there he's talking about the fact that the children of Israel did not enter into God's rest. Now, if, if you read that passage, it wasn't the rest of salvation that he has in mind there. It was the rest of service. Because whether, uh, they, they came up to the edge of the promised land. And, and do you remember what God said? Go in. It's yours. You, you, it's all yours. To, I've given it to you. It's yours to enjoy. And they said... We will not go in. There's giants in the land. We, we, there, there's walled cities. We, we can't go in. And because of that, what did they miss? They didn't stop being the children of God. God very carefully led them for 40 years through the wilderness. Who was it for 40 years that provided the manna for them? Who was it that provided water when they were in a desert area? Who was it that provided protection from the armies that, that came against them? It was God. God was at work in their lives. But what did they miss? They missed that sense of rest. They they missed that sense of enjoying the blessings that God wanted to bring into their lives. The houses, the lands, the the vineyards, the, the farms. It was all theirs to enjoy, but they never got to enjoy it because they didn't exercise faith in God. And they didn't go in to the land. And then you come down to the sobering part of that passage in chapter four there. It says, therefore, let us fear in a sense, lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any of us should seem to come short of it. For indeed, we had the good news preached to us. And then he goes on to quote from the the nation of Israel there. You can read those verses there. But he mentions that, that. again, that God rested on the Sabbath, seventh day, and he invites us to enter into that rest. We do that by faith. We we do that in the midst of our service by entering into a, a step of obedience with him. If we refuse to enter into that step of obedience, we miss the blessing. We miss the enjoyment. We, we miss the rest that, that he would bring into our lives in the midst of our hectic activities. The fact is we need those times of rest. We need those times of regular enjoyment, of taking time to stop and worship and reflect on God and what he's doing in our lives. Hebrews 10, 25 says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of, of some is. We need those times when we come into the presence of the Lord and just enjoy him. Just focus on who he is and, and what he has done in our hearts and, and lives and, and enjoy that time together with him. Now we need to be careful. As we mentioned from Colossians chapter two, verse 16, we can't judge somebody else for what they do or don't do on the Sabbath day. That's between them and the Lord. Uh, uh, some can worship on Sunday. Some cannot. I like the example, although I don't fully agree with it. Um uh, uh, J.C. Penney, the founder of the J.C. Penney chain of retail stores. Now, uh, they don't observe this anymore. Uh, He's passed away. Somebody else is in charge there. But on one occasion, he made this statement. If a man's business requires so much of his time that he cannot attend the Sunday morning and evening services and Wednesday night prayer meeting, then that man has more business than God intended him to have. Quite a remarkable statement for a businessman. Uh, I'm not sure that you'd get away with that today, but that that was his viewpoint. Uh, James Garfield, when he became president of the United States, on the very first week that he was in office, uh, one of his cabinet officials came to him and said, there's an issue of national importance, a national crisis, and I've called, I'm calling for a cabinet meeting at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning on Sunday. Uh, President Garfield looked at him, and he refused. He said, I have another appointment at 10 o'clock in the morning. The official pressed him on it, and finally he, he, he said these words, I should be interested to know with whom you could have an appointment so important that it cannot be broken. President Garfield looked at him and replied, I will be as frank as you are. My engagement is with the Lord to meet him at his house, at his table at 1030 tomorrow, and I shall be there. President Garfield sanctified the Lord's day. And guess what? The crisis passed. The nation survived. He felt it important to take some time to be with the Lord. Again, we come back to what we looked at last week. The Westminster Catechism says, what is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We need those times when we set apart time just to enjoy God, just to enjoy his presence, just to come into his presence. Maybe it's together as we do on Sunday morning and worship him and and praise the Lord. We have the so much to aid us in that worship. We have our, our music and so forth that that brings us into the presence of the Lord. And we, we can rejoice. But if, if you're in a job that doesn't allow you to do that on a regular basis, you can still come into the presence of the Lord. You can still enjoy his presence. You can still take time to have, in a sense, that Sabbath rest sometime through the week. But as you think about that, a couple questions come to mind. Is enjoying... A time with God? Is is your relationship important to you? Do you take time on a regular basis? Do you put priority upon it? Or do you allow the things of this life to crowd out your time with the Lord? That's what was happening, or, or they were trying to force, with James Garfield, trying to force him away from his time with the Lord. He said, I will be there. Do do we make it a priority to say, I'm going to carve some time out of maybe each day to have our time of devotions that we spend with the Lord. Maybe out of our week that we we take an extended period of time and say, I'm going to take that time and I'm going to enjoy fellowship with God. Is that a priority with us? Or do we allow everything else to crowd into our lives and, and push that away from us? And then if that's the case, then the second question you have to wrestle with is, what is it today that would keep you from worship? What, what is it that keeps you from celebrating a time on a regular basis with the Almighty God, with the Redeemer? What, what, what is it that is so important to you that, that keeps you from that time of worship with the Lord? Maybe it's a few hours of sleep that you want. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's uh, financial priorities or, or whatever. What keeps us from really entering into enjoying the rest, the fellowship that we can have with God. And then, and this one's not going to be up there on, the, on the, the board because this came as a result of an unfinished sermon here. Uh, what steps of obedience do we need to take today to enter into his rest? The children of Israel, all they had to do was step across the border and enter the promised land. They could enjoy the blessings of the promised land. They refused to do that. When they came in to the promised land 40 years later, the next generation entered the land. But they didn't enter into rest either. Why? Because they brought their idols with them. They, they didn't fully worship the Lord. And so he says, be careful. God holds out that, the concept of rest to us. But is there some act of obedience that we have to do to enter into that rest? What, what is he asking of us? What, what is that rest of service that he's talking about in Matthew chapter 11 there? Have we entered into that? Are we saying, Lord, I will do what you ask me to do. And as, as we surrender to him, then comes that, that rest, that, that peace of heart and mind and that enjoyment of what he has brought into our lives. And so as you think of the Sabbath rest is it yours today have you entered into it not as the nation of israel tried to do but have you really entered into a fellowship a relationship with god and are you enjoying god today father in heaven we stop and just want to say thank you for rest and for that whole concept of rest thank you that you cared enough about us to build that into our the very fiber of our being to the awareness, not just that we need physical rest, but we need time apart just to enjoy you and just to get maybe a new perspective on life as we take that time apart from you. Give us the courage to look at our lives and ask, is there something keeping us from enjoying you, from enjoying your presence, from enjoying the rest of service that you would have for us? And help us to deal with those areas, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And with that in mind, we're going to sing "leaning on the, uh, leaning on the everlasting arms." I'm going to look it up, but uh, I remember it. <laughs>